Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 11. Let's read it together, shall we? The Word of God says, He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Let's pray. Lord, we read in the Scriptures the importance of purity, of pureness, and here you give us an admonition about pureness of heart. And Lord, we ask that you would help us keep our hearts clean and study this idea of pureness. We thank you for the precious Lord Jesus Christ who was without sin and uh, the perfect sinless Son of God. We thank you for your testimony that you are a light and in you is no darkness at all. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is holy and pure. And so, Lord, we ask you that you'd continue to sanctify us and make us in your image. Give us a, a pure heart, we pray, in this desperately wicked world. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> and so we read the verse tonight, He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. And I think about that idea, pureness of heart. Pureness has the idea of purity, uh, without impurities, something that's clean, something that's not dirty. I think we take purity and cleanness for granted in America because we live in a fairly clean country. Uh, our food is fairly clean. Our uh, stores are fairly clean. Our restaurants are regulated to be clean. Uh, not all of them, but many of them. And so we live in a pretty clean world as far as dirt goes. In America, I remember my uh, sister and my brother-in-law telling me, and even my brother went over to meet uh, to visit them in uh, Ghana, West Africa, and they said you'd go to the market, the outdoor market, to buy your food for the day, and uh, the ground was pretty wet where they were, just running right under the the market, and my brother said, "Why is the ground so wet here? It didn't rain last night." And they said, "Oh no, that's the sewer." And they're literally walking around in sewer while they're buying their groceries. That's not okay with me. That's pretty gross. Uh, but that's how they live. Uh, you know, we go to a restaurant, and thankfully most restaurants are pretty clean. I know one person that they will never eat at a restaurant unless they go in and look at the bathroom, and then they ask if they can peek into the kitchen. And if they don't let them peek into the kitchen, they won't eat there. And I was, we were kind of joking about it, and, and the person said, yeah, the spouse of that person said, yeah, I thought it was funny at first until I started doing it with her. There's some pretty filthy kitchens out there. Do you ever watch any of these uh, rehab shows, like restaurant rehab shows, and they go in there and they're like looking in the freezer and guys are like throwing up as they look in the freezer and they're like getting grime and junk out of where their food was just cooked? And I mean... Pretty gross stuff. We have a natural repulsion to impurity. You go to the grocery store and things are stamped with uh, labels like USDA. And so there's governing boards trying to make sure that these foods are produced in a clean way, in a pure way. You want to crack open a tube of toothpaste and have toothpaste in it. You want to open up a can of spaghetti sauce and it's spaghetti sauce without little friends that died in there. Uh, I ate at a restaurant one time and I got halfway through my meal and 
noticed that there was a nice big dead fly right under some of my food. And so what would you do? I ate around it and then turned the food back and I got a whole other plate for free. It was genius. It was genius. <laughs> uh, my dad used to say, those flies don't eat much. It's, they don't eat much. Uh, we value purity. But what the Bible's telling us is we need to value spiritual purity. Christians should value spiritual purity just like you want your dishes to be clean before you use them. Just like you don't want to sleep in a bed with bed bugs. Just like you don't want to eat moldy food. We ought to have, and as Christians, there's a part of us, that, that born-again part, that desires the clean, the pure. But there is that old nature, that sinful nature of ours that doesn't mind the dirt. Matter of fact, loves it. Like a pig, a hog that loves to wallow in the mire. That old nature, that old flesh loves to get down in the sins of this world and wallow around and spread it all over and get as much as they can. But we need to value spiritual purity. And the Bible says here, he that loveth pureness of heart. And I ask the question tonight, do you love pureness of heart? Do you desire to have a pure heart yourself? Do you want to be around people that have a pure heart? Hey, people that have a pure heart are different than those that don't. And the, the committed Christian crowd is different than the worldly crowd or even the uncommitted Christian crowd. They talk different. They act different. They do different things. They have different priorities. Why? Because there is a a desire for cleanness, a desire for purity. And here the Bible says pureness of heart. See, pureness of heart gets the attention of those around you, those that are wise, those that know better, those that have leadership. The verse here says, He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips. Look at the next two words. The king shall be his friends. Now, we don't live in that type of society where there's a king and a queen and royalty, but very few people got close to the king. Very few people got personal commendations from the king. Very few people were considered a friend of the king. But here the Bible teaches us that a wise king learns to enjoy pureness of heart. Imagine a king that uh, doesn't know who his friends are because everybody's nice to him because they want something. I was watching a little documentary about a man and he was one of those undercover situations, you know, where they didn't know he was a rich guy. And he was actually weeping on camera where he said, for the first time in many years, the people that are around me, they're around me because of me. He said, I've been rich and I've been very blessed, but I don't really know who my friends are. I don't know who wants to be close to me for me and who wants to be close to me for what I can do for them. I don't have that problem. Amen. <laughs> I don't have anything to do for you. I don't have anything to give you. Uh, and so, uh, but here the king, imagine getting close to the king. The king learns, I want to be around pure hearted people. I don't want to be around duplicitous people and people with hypocrisy and agendas and meanness and anger and jealousy and envy and full of sin and strife. The king doesn't want to, a wise king doesn't want to deal with those things. He looks out for people that have pureness of heart. I want you to be close to me because I see a pureness in you, a, a pure heart. And 
May God give us all a desire to have a pure heart and this love for the pure heart. The Bible teaches us that having a pure heart is a worthy goal for a Christian. Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 1 Timothy 1, 5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, having a pure heart is a worthy goal. Every Christian ought to strive to have a pure heart before the Lord. The problem is that our hearts aren't pure. Our hearts are tainted by sin, aren't they? The famous verses... I look at Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above what? All things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? My friend, the unregenerate heart is wicked and deceitful. It'll lie, it'll steal, it'll cheat, it'll kill, it'll destroy to get what it wants. That's the old man. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 9. Look at that. Oh, hold on. Before you turn, look at verse 10. Uh, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You see, God knows the condition of our heart, doesn't he? He knows. You might fool me. I might fool you. God's not fooled at all. He knows the condition of our heart. So we want to have a pure heart. We should want to have a pure heart. Having a pure heart is a worthy goal. Mature Christians strive to have a pure heart. The problem is that our hearts are tainted by sin. God knows the condition of our heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. The Bible says, who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. You know who can say that? Nobody. You can't save yourself any more than you can start flapping your arms and fly to Europe. You can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do. There's nobody who's ever lived that can say, I have made my heart clean. My friend, if you could start right now from this moment and never do anything wrong again, there is no possible way you could cleanse your heart from the sins already committed. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation provided by the Son of God that we can ever hope to have a clean heart. And thankfully, if you've been saved, God has given you a new heart. We won't look at the verses, but the verses say, I will make you a clean heart. I will put a heart of flesh within you. I'll give you a new heart. When we get saved, God gives us a new heart, praise God. And now we have that choice between the old man, the old sinful ways, and the new man. Who will we follow? You get to decide. Uh, Pureness of heart is not simply found in words. Pureness of heart is shown by action. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20. Sorry, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. I heard pages turn. I'm like, wait a minute. You should be right there. And so Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his what? 
doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Boy, I talk to a lot of people and they say all the right things as they're doing all the wrong things. The goal is to do the right things, not just say the right things. Even a child's known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. Look at Proverbs 21 and verse 8. The way of a man is froward and strange. Froward is a word that means perverted, twisted, and strange. But as for the pure, his work is what? Right. Right. So purity is shown through actions. A lot of people have pure intentions, but they don't have pure actions. They have uh, pure desires as far as they, they might want to be this or that. They, they might say the right things, but they're not heading the right direction. And so a pureness of heart shown by actions. We know that pure, heart, pure words do matter and that words can be a window into the heart. As our text verse said, He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips the king shall be his friend. If you have a pure heart, you're going to be saying the right things. Hey, if you have a pure heart, you're not going to be telling dirty jokes. If you have a pure heart, your mouth's not going to be in the gutter. If you have a pure heart, your mouth's not going to be filled with cursing and swearing and, and all of this type of stuff. If you have a pure heart, you're, you're not going to be uh, calling people names and, and, and having the, the filth of this world spew out of your mouth. So the words and the actions are a window to the condition of the heart. People say, don't judge me. You don't know my heart. I may not be able to see into your heart, but I can sure peep through the windows of your words. I can sure see a little bit into the windows of your actions. You don't need to look into the whole thing and inspect every room if you can see that the words and the actions are not what they ought to be. There's certainly something wrong in the heart. Jesus gave us An incredible teaching. The Pharisees were concerned about the disciples weren't washing their hands long enough before they ate. And this isn't talking about just washing your hands. This is talking about a ceremonial washing. The Jews had a very specific way and a ceremony in how they would wash their hands. Almost like you ever see a surgeon wash their hands. And I mean, they're scrubbing and 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 more soap. And man, they, they'll take a certain amount of time. They have a very strict procedure to wash their hands and they'll hold their hands up like this. And a nurse will come over who's already been cleaned and will put on layers of gloves and such because they're getting ready to open someone up. There can be no contamination. Well, the Jews were almost that fanatical about how to wash your hands and the disciples of Christ weren't following through all the ceremonial washings and they came to Jesus and they said, basically, your disciples are dirty because they're not eating with hands that are washed enough. And in Mark chapter 7, Jesus told them, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile the man. And Jesus taught the powerful lesson that it's not eating with a little bit of dirt on your hands that's going to defile your heart. Matter of fact, it's what's coming out of you that is defiling you because those things proceed from a dirty heart already. And thus it is with us. If we've got sin in our life, it's because we've got sin in our heart. And if we keep the heart pure, 
then the life will be pure. The words will be pure. And so he that loveth pureness of heart. It's a very simple concept. Let me give you a few things that are pure. And if you focus on these things and you have these things in your life, then you can begin to cultivate a pure heart. Let me say, number one, the pureness of the Savior. I love that, the pureness of the Savior. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus Christ was clean and sinless, born of a virgin, not marred with the sin nature of man. Body not tainted by sin. He didn't have to die for his own sin because he had no sin. He could die for your sins and mine. But we see the pureness of the Savior, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For he, that's God, hath made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin. So the Bible said Jesus knew no sin. He was pure. But God made him to be sin for us, the rest of the verse, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So on the cross, this wonderful uh, addition and subtraction took place. You have the perfectly pure Savior, and you have sinful man. And God said, I'm going to take the sin of all mankind, and I'm going to make Jesus to become sin, so that when you put your faith in Jesus, God takes the righteousness, the purity, the sinlessness of Christ, and applies it to your account, so you can be pure and sinless. And if you're saved here today, God looks at your soul, and He sees the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see the righteousness of Ken Hoffman, although Ken tries to be righteous. He doesn't see the righteousness of Lee Beatty, although Lee tries to be righteous. He sees the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ, through salvation. And praise God for the purity of the Savior, the pureness of the Savior. Thank God for that. I see next the pureness of salvation. We just talked about that a little bit, but let me show you how deep this goes. Look at Isaiah chapter 1. The pureness of the Savior. No sin, no darkness at all. We see the pureness of salvation when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me encourage you tonight that if you're here and you've never been saved, you've never been born again, that you're one heartbeat away from hell. I mean, you are one breath away from hell. Literally, the mercy and grace of God is the only thing holding you from an eternity separated from God in torment. But praise be to God that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you believe in your heart in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that, that wonderful miracle happens where you are born again, where your soul is, is cleansed and your spirit is resurrected and you become a child of God. And in that moment, you're made clean and pure as new snow. And Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Oh, thank God for the pureness of salvation. That once we get saved, God cleanses all of our sins and we'll never face an eternity without God. We'll face an eternity with God in a beautiful place called heaven. 
We see the pureness of the Savior, the pureness of salvation. Let me show you the pureness of Scripture. Look at Proverbs chapter 30. Once you get saved, your soul is cleansed, but now your life needs to be sanctified. A process begins where you are born again, you're saved, and that takes a moment. That is a one-moment act in a, in a twinkling of an eye. All your sins are gone and you're birthed into the family of God. Your eternal destiny is made sure. However, your life, this, this old flesh still has sin and there's a new part of you. There's a new me in, inside of this old me. And I have to go through the process of uh, learning to set aside the sins I'm accustomed to in this life so I can be cleansed and become more and more like Jesus. I'm glad God will save you where, where you're at, but he won't leave you there. That as soon as you get saved, he starts the process of cleansing you. And the first thing he'll use to do that is the scripture, the word of God. And we see the purity of the scripture in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. The Bible says every word of God is pure. Hey, don't you like that? Every word. We've got an every word Bible, friend. This verse isn't given to us thought by thought. This verse isn't given to us, well, some verses ought to be there and some verses aren't. We have an every word Bible. Do you think that a perfect God that created everything that is, put every star in space, made everything that your eyes have ever seen, do you think that he has the power to give us a Bible where every word is exactly where it should be? And the answer is yes. And we don't need somebody that graduated from some college who had sinful professors, who were taught by sinful professors, who were taught by sinful professors that think they know better than God. God inspired the word. He preserves the word and he makes his word available to every generation. And thank God for his word. We have an every word Bible. Thank God for the old King James. Amen. Amen. We're not looking for anything different. We don't need an updated version. We don't, we're not part of the Bible of the Month Club. Man, they're always trying to come out selling new things. And by the way, every new Bible comes out with a new copyright, making publishers more money and all of these things. We're not interested in that. Hey, grab a dictionary, learn about 25, 30 words, and you'll be just fine with the old King James. Now, these new versions, they don't just update the language. They actually change doctrines. They take out things like the blood of Christ. They take out things like the deity of Christ. They add works to salvation. They remove thousands of words and sometimes hundreds of verses. This is a big deal. I thank God that we have an every word Bible and we see the pureness of Scripture. Look at Psalm 19. The Bible is so pure that as you begin to read it, it begins to cleanse your heart and clean up your life. Psalm chapter 19, <clears throat> look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is what? Pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is what? Clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous Altogether, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. More also, more overall, by them thy servant is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them 
there is great rewards. Who can cleanse, or excuse me, who can understand his errors? Verse 12. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent, or pure, from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Do you see the importance of the Word of God in your life? As you begin to read the Word of God, the Word of God begins to cleanse you. I remember a missionary telling a story years ago, and he had someone that was said, I'm trying to read the Bible, but I'm just not remembering it. I'm just not understanding it. The missionary had the man take a wicker, wicker basket and go down to the river. And he said, go down and get me a, a basket of water. And he gave him a, a basket with holes in it. And he would come back and he'd dip it in the water. And by the time he got back to the missionary, there was no water left. The missionary said, go back and bring me another basket of water. And the man's like, that's not working. And he said, he said go back and get me another bucket of water. And so he goes back and takes another basket of water, and when he comes back, there's no water left in the basket. And the man said, I don't know why you have me keep going down to the river to get water. I'm not bringing you any water. And he said, no, sir, but your basket's clean. And the missionary said, that's what the Word of God does. Whether or not you're understanding it, it is cleaning you, cleansing you, purifying you. That's the power of the Word of God. Look at Psalm 119. He that loveth pureness of heart. Talking about the pureness of the Savior, the pureness of salvation, the pureness of Scripture. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 9. Let's read it together. Ready? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. See, the word of God has this cleansing effect. It's not only pure, it is so pure that it makes you pure when you come in contact with it. And reading the Bible, meditating on the Bible, memorizing the Bible, listening to preaching, all of these things begin to cleanse you, showing you what is wrong, showing you the sins in, your, in our lives, showing us how to fix it and get it right, showing us how to keep it right, all Scripture is profitable. We see the pureness of Scripture. Psalm 119, 140. Look at this. Great verse. Easy verse to memorize if you want to memorize a verse for this week. Psalm 119 and 140. Thy word is very pure. Therefore thy servant loveth it. Isn't that a great verse? Do you love the Bible? Oh, I want you to love the Bible. You say, I don't understand it. Well, you can love it. You say, I, I don't get a lot of it. You can love it. Why? Because it's pure. There's nothing in your life. There's nothing you can lay your hands on. There's nothing you can wrap your mind around that is so clean and pure in this life as the Word of God. Thy Word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Let me say lastly, the pureness of sanctification. We've already talked about this briefly, but I want to show you a verse and give you some final comments. 1 John 
book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. I'll read the first two verses, then we'll read the third verse together. 1 John chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Verse 3, together. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Oh, you see the, it all coming together now. The pureness of the Savior. The pureness of salvation. The pureness of the Scripture begins to work in my life. The pureness of sanctification. Sanctification is that cleansing that takes place as we become more and more like Jesus. I'm not the man I should be, and I fail God every day, and I get so frustrated with myself and my own sin and my own stubbornness. But let me tell you, friend, I praise God I'm not who I used to be. Thank God He's had me on this road called sanctification. And I've got a long, long way to go. But I thank God I'm not where I used to be. And as you begin to give your heart to the Savior and get commitment and you begin to live out all the benefits of your salvation, you begin to consume and meditate upon the Word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in you making you more and more like the Lord and separating you from the things that dirty you. You say, preacher, what makes me dirty? It's not the dirt that's on your skin or the dirt that gets in your mouth that makes you dirty. It's the things that go in your eyes that make you dirty. It's the things that go in your ears that make you dirty. It's the people you hang around where you buy into their sin and they make you dirty. Boy, the things you see, you have to be careful, friend, because that sinful lust gets stirred up in you and you begin to strengthen the old man. You begin to grieve the spirit. That heart, that deceitful heart begins to get strong and beat stronger and you're getting dirty. Boy, keep your heart clean. There's billions of websites no Christian should ever look at. The majority of TV shows that the world puts out are not consumable for a holy Christian. Uh, Boy, they're getting better and better at the craft, and they're giving you more and more filth as they do it. The music of the world, some of it is so filthy and so raunchy, and yet when you listen to it, it plays over and over and over and over in your heart like a record. You even forget it's there as it plays in the background making us dirty on the inside. The things we hear, the cursing, the foul words, the the filth of this world described. Do you know it's possible to be funny without cursing? Do you know it's possible to express your displeasure without throwing in a bunch of four-letter words? Do you know that Uh, You don't need to be surrounding yourself with people whose lives are 
not what they ought to be. You know, the Bible says something very interesting in Galatia. He didn't say what did hinder you. He said who did hinder you. Ye did run well. You were doing great. You were close to the Lord. You were growing. He didn't say what did hinder you. He said who did hinder you. And you know, most often in your life, it's not going to be the things that trip you up. It's going to be the people who are doing the things that trip you up. It's not the first cigarette that gets you. It's the person that offers the first cigarette. It's not the joint that gets you. It's the person that offers the joint. It's not the filthy uh, songs that get you. It's the person that teaches you it's okay to listen to them. And all of, the, all of these things that come into our hearts and minds, that the filthy places people go, you know, the, the, the gentlemen's clubs where there's not a gentleman to be found, the bars and the clubs where, where sin and debauchery is exalted, it's the people that we have to be wary of. And so we have a desire to have a pure heart. That new part of us longs to be pure, but we have a sinful heart. And only by the grace of God and through the, the purity and the pureness of the Savior, and the pureness of salvation, and the pureness of the Scripture, and the pureness of sanctification can we begin to be molded and shaped into the image of God, which is His goal. But yet that process is hindered when we surround ourselves with impurity. Uh, The Bible warns an awful lot about sins like adultery, fornication, uncleanness, immorality, concupiscence, licentiousness, lasciviousness, basically giving yourself a license to be dirty morally. That's not okay. The inner sins of anger and jealousy and unforgiveness, and bitterness, and malice. It makes you dirty. So what do we do? We go to God and we pray with the psalmist, Search me, O God, and try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. We can say with the psalmist, Keep me from presumptuous sins. Let not my sin have dominion over me. We begin to pray to the Lord as we try to shut out the impurities of this world and we begin to surround ourselves with spiritual purity. We begin to value it, strive for it, long for it, and we begin to pray to a holy God. God, make me holy. God said, be ye holy for I am holy. But We can't just be holy on our own. It's a wonderful process that God does called sanctification. I ask you a question tonight. Do you love pureness of heart? Are you striving to be pure of heart? Perhaps you've let some things come in. It's easy to do. Something new comes on. You get a little bit tired. You start watching some things. Or you start going places you shouldn't go. Or hanging around people that aren't good influences. I mean, it's easy to do. You can be doing well for a while. You better be careful. Somebody might hinder you. Maybe it's in the privateness of your own home where with all of these machines and the electronics and the phones and the iPads and the Kindles and all of this stuff, you can get into all kinds of sin and debauchery simply with your eyes and your heart and a piece of hardware. That's terrible. May God make us a people that loves pureness of heart. And I guarantee you, if you watch yourself and you look at the world around you, you're going to see that you would much rather spend time with someone who's of a pure heart than someone who's not.
He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Let's pray. Father, help us to have a pure heart. We know that that old sinful heart is wicked and deceitful, desperately wicked. But Lord, the new man, we can focus on this pureness of heart. We can strive to expel all the, the hypocrisy and the guile from our hearts. We can strive, we can pray about these things. God, help us to be holy. Let not these sins have dominion over us. Don't let me get involved in presumptuous sin. Keep me, protect me from the sins that I'm so prone to. Give me victory over the temptation that has plagued me my whole life. We can pray things like this. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, and we surround ourselves with these elements of purity. We can begin to accelerate the process of sanctification rather than fight against it. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help our church to be clean. Help our people to be clean. And Lord, may we teach other people who as dogs eating their own vomit and as pigs wallowing in the mire, may we teach them a better way as we preach the gospel and show them the magnificence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the beauty of salvation, and what it's like to stand before you as your child rather than as one condemned. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart, we'll take just a moment for an invitation. Let's stand.